This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Today I'm joined by Dennis, my husband. Here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. We also have a free giveaway. It is called Steps to Christ. Great little book, highly recommended. And also if you're here locally in Palmerston North um, at the local takeaways, check out the, the free magazine Signs. This is a um, family magazine designed um, for adults, but with really good um, articles on health and family issues that we face in life today and how the world is going and where can we find hope. So, yes, and we will also be happy to pray for you or a friend or family member off air or on air if you'd like and you can contact us either by email and that is on info at mpr.nz or you can text us on 022 So we're going to start with a prayer today. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your guidance and strength in what we say today, what we share. We pray that you will also um, be with the one who listens right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. Right. I've been reading and um, looking at in depth lately the Bible verse, and it's um, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, and Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And yeah, it's just such a beautiful invitation. And um, just sharing some thoughts from the book Desire of Ages, which really expands on um, what Jesus is saying in these in these verses and uh, yeah some just some beautiful words that just um, turn us back to the Bible and putting us right in to this situation imagine you're right there and you can hear Jesus saying this to you in these words Jesus is speaking to 
every human being. He's speaking to you and to me. Whether we know it or not, we are all weary and heavy laden, all are weighed down with burdens that only Jesus can remove. And the heaviest burden that we bear is the burden of sin. If we are left to bear this burden, it would crush us. But Jesus, the sinless one, has taken our place. The Lord has laid on him the sin of us all. Isaiah 53 verse 6. He's borne the burden of our guilt. He will take the load from your weary shoulders, friend. He will give you rest. The burden of care and sorrow also he will bear. He will carry it. He invites you and I to cast all our care upon him because he carries us upon his heart. He knows by experience what are the weaknesses that we deal with. What are our wants and where lies the strength of our temptations? For he was in all points tempted just as we are, yet he didn't sin. He's watching over you, trembling child of God. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Do you need more answers for the big things in life? He will enlighten you through his word and his Holy Spirit. Are you wounded? In heart, he will heal. The Lord tells the number of the stars. He knows how many stars there are in the sky. And yet he heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. And that's his promise in Psalms 147 verse 3 and 4. Come unto me is his invitation. Come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. Whatever your anxieties and trials, spread out your case before the Lord. Your spirit will be braced for endurance. The way will be opened for you to disentangle yourself from embarrassment and difficulty. The weaker and more helpless you know yourself to be, the stronger will you become in his strength. Just amazing what Jesus will do for us. So, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you with all our burdens And you will give us rest, Lord. You understand. And right now, we admit our weaknesses, our failings, our faults, our sins. And we ask for your forgiveness and we ask for your strength to live the abundant life that you promise. In Jesus' name, Amen. And now we're going to have the song, Amazing Grace.
Yes, so now I'm going to be sharing um, the health tip for today and been getting a lot out of this book by Dr. Darren Morton, Live More Happy, and I hope you have been too. So just a quick recap, the uh, first chapter was on speaking positively and how it actually affects our own um, emotions and and what we say to others as well has a big impact on our own uh, thinking. That um, centre in our brain that Dr. Darren calls the limbo for short, um, it's listening to everything we say and do. So when we're looking the second, the third chapter actually, motion creates emotion. So we've been um, looking at act how you want to feel, not act how you feel, but act how you want to feel. And um, and then he splits that down into some um, more detail by saying slow breathing, actually slowing our breathing on purpose actually helps us to relax. Sipping some water to keep our mouth moist 
when we're anxious actually tells our brain to relax more too. And sinking, sinking, relaxing our muscles, lowering our shoulders actually also tells our brain to relax when we are feeling stressed. And today we're looking at move more. Walking in my local shopping mall a while ago, I was confronted with a sign advertising happiness. Only $99. Thinking it was a great deal, I approached the shop assistant to inquire. He explained that the $99 was the first of 10 payments that purchased the treadmill the sign was attached to. So was that false advertising? Can exercise make us happy? I know others who do not share my perspective, but I can honestly say that exercise does make me happy, says Dr. Darren, and more emotionally upbeat, and the science agrees with me. When we move dynamically, millions of proprioceptors throughout our body scream out to our limbo, telling it that we are all systems go. Little wonder that being physically active can improve our mood. We have known for decades that a single bout of exercise can lift the blues and improve mood. It can take as little as 10 minutes and even works for people who are suffering with major depression. And um, at the end of each of these sentences, he has a, a little number. And in this book, which I highly recommend, Live More Happy, by Dr. Darren Morton, you can actually go to the um, index and it will um, show you the studies, the actual research that is backing up these facts that he is stating. So to date, more than 25 rigorous studies have concluded that regular physical activity is associated with better mood and the prevention of depression. In other words, it can make you happier and more emotionally resilient. Studies have even shown that exercise is comparable to antidepressant medication for relieving depression. And the only side effects of exercise are good ones. A recent study in 15 European countries found a positive association between the amount of physical activity people perform and how happy they are. In other words, when it comes to physical activity, the more, the merrier. Another recent study of more than 10,000 individuals revealed that not only are people who are more physically active happier, individuals are happier in the moments when they are more physically active. Isn't that interesting? Studies indicate that more intense exercise is especially effective for achieving a mood lift. More intense exercise results in our proprioceptors cheering with a louder voice and our limbo listens, the, the emotional part of our brain. A great way to stimulate our proprioceptors in a dynamic way is to perform resistance exercises which are known to be very effective for making people feel good. However, 
It is important to note that while more intense exercise confers extra benefits, even low-intensity physical exercise works wonders. It has been hypothesised that physical activity has depression-relieving effects, partly because it promotes the development of new brain cells in our limbo. What we definitely know is that physical activity causes the limbo to release chemicals called beta endorphins into the rest of our brain. Beta endorphins make us feel good, even euphoric, and can blunt pain. Recognising this, it is alarming that over the past century we have been witnessing an accelerating decline in our physical activity levels. Today, we are probably more interactive, sorry, not more interactive, more inactive than humans have ever been throughout history. As you can see in the figures below, it is estimated that we are 60 to 70% less active than those living just a few generations ago, which equates to walking about 16 kilometres, 10 miles less every day. Of course, this is contributing to the current obesity epidemic and the rise in chronic diseases that we are observing. But imagine what it is doing for to our limbo. It is hardly surprising that so many people are feeling down. So isn't that interesting? Some interesting thoughts from Dr. Darren Morton on exercise and how it affects our emotions and our whole health. Yes, very, very interesting. So I challenge you today to to get out and do some exercise. And yes. All right, I'm just going to um, hand it over to my husband to just do a little bit of talking for a moment. He might like to share something. Yes, it's it's good to be here um, with you folks today. Um, <coughs> health is so important, isn't it? How how we um, how we look after ourselves, and there's just wonderful benefits. I um, I became a um, a Christian when I was 23. I came from a home. Um, my my father was a heavy drinker and, and smoker. Um, and he he died at sixty one. Whereas my my mum lived to almost ninety nine. Um, <clears throat> so uh, lifestyle is really really important. Exercise is really important. So yeah, it's just important to um, you know look after our health and that you know. I um, if you want to read a good book uh, called the China Study, um, which is the most comprehensive study ever done on nutrition. Um, see, in New Zealand, for instance, one in three of us will get um, cancer. And, <clears throat> you know, one in three, 
it's every third person. So uh, it's a dreadful disease. So um, we haven't found uh, a good cure for it yet. The world hasn't. But there's things that we can do to prevent, and it's far better to prevent something, um, prevent getting cancer than getting it and try and fight it then. So, um, <coughs> yeah. Right, so we're going to have a song now um, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about um, the book of Revelation. Welcome back. Um, it's it's great to um, be able to share a few more thoughts on the book of Revelation. A lot of people find the book of Revelation very hard to understand, and there is um, some challenges in it. But it's a wonderful book. I, I just love the Bible. It's so positive, you know. It, um, for instance, in Isaiah um, 50 and verse 2, it says, um, it says, Is it too hard for me to save you? Um, do I not have the power? Um, I remember Jesus saying to the, well, the disciples said to Jesus, well, who can be saved? Um, and then Jesus said, well, with man it's impossible, with God it is. Um, all things are possible. And I, I love the, um, the verse in Revelation 7, 
verse 9, and it says, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no man could count from every nation, from all tribes, people, and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, uh, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. So a great multitude of people are going to be saved from every nation, um, <clears throat> every tribe, every people, and every languages. There's lots and lots of languages in the world, thousands of them, and uh, there's going to be people saved from each of them. And you can be saved. I can be saved. Nothing's impossible with God. Now, we're up to um, Sardis, which is the fifth church, and I'm going to read uh, Revelation 3 and um, 1 to 6, and this is what it says. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things say he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Now that's a quote from um, Revelation 1 verse 16, and this is Jesus talking. And he says here, Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I have come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. They are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess him, uh, confess his name before my father and before the angels. Now there's such a lot in this little section, and I've, I've been encouraging to get um, these booklets, <coughs> and um, you can get them from. Well, all you got to do is put in Revelation, hope, meaning, and purpose into Google, and you can buy them. They're not um, they're not expensive. There's um, you can either get a set of twelve, or you can get a set of twenty four. Uh, the set of 24 goes into a bit more depth. So <clears throat> they're just, um, they're not, they're, they're written for the lay person. They're not written for the theologian. They're written for the lay person. So this is the message to the city of Sardis. And, and it's a very interesting um, city. It's a very interesting city, and I'm uh, I'm going to get uh, my lovely wife to read in a little while um, uh, about the history, about the history, and the history about this um, place is really significant for what Jesus said. Now, it's, um, I'm reading from a book, and here's another book you can get. It's called. Um, now and then, reading Revelation today. So when it was written, how it applied to them then and how it applies now. Now, it's by Paul Barnett. It's it's not a heavy book. It's a light book. And there's some really good ideas in it. And this is what he says about Sardis. He says, this was an important city at the junction of five roads. 
And then it says the the city's wealth and historical importance was due to its central location, to the general fertility of the region. The city was built on a high point on a mountain ridge. Now that's that's interesting. And um, in a in a more recent past, in AD seventeen, Sardis had been seriously damaged by a major earthquake. Uh, now I'm just reading a wee, wee bit about it from this book here, uh, then and now, and it says, um, in point of facts, no church is so sharply rebuked as the Church of Sardis. Despite their reputation of being alive, the reality uh, was that they were dead. The members are called to wake up, to strengthen what remains, to repent. The greater majority had soiled clothes, a reference to their moral and spiritual compromise. Only a few are faithful, dressed in white. Right, so um, that's just a wee bit uh, of background there. <clears throat> so um, the story of Sardis, how it fell, um, because it didn't watch. Right, now we've we've got to have a break soon, don't we, Lynette? Yeah. Have we got time to read that before the break? Right, so we'll just have a break and then we'll come back in and I'll get um, my lovely wife to um, to read it. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Radio, welcome back to Amazing Grace. So <clears throat> I'm going to read you a bit of history. And this guy, who was the greatest of the Sardinian kings, his name is Croesus. Croesus embarked upon a war with Cyrus of Persia, which was the end of the greatness of Sardis. Across Sorry, again Croesus was warned, but he failed to see the warning. To get at the armies of Cyrus, he had to cross the river Hales. He took counsel of the famous oracle at Delphi and was told, if you cross that river, you will destroy a great empire. Croesus took it as a promise that he would annihilate the Persians. It never crossed his mind that it was a prophecy that the campaign on which he had embarked would be the end of his own empire, his own power. He crossed that big river, the Hales, engaged in battle and was routed. He was not in the least worried, for he thought that all he had to do as to retire to the was to retire to the impregnable citadel of Sardis, recuperate and fight again. 
Cyrus initiated the siege of Sardis, waited for fourteen days, then offered a special reward to anyone who would find an entry into the city. The rock on which Sardis was built was friable, more like close-packed dried mud than rock. The nature of the rock meant that it developed cracks. A certain Mardinian soldier called Hyrodides had been a Sardinian soldier accidentally who had seen a Sardinian soldier accidentally drop his helmet over the battlements and then make his way down the precipice to retrieve it. Harodides knew that there must be a crack in the rock there by means of which an agile man could climb up. That night he led a party of Persian troops up by the fault in the rock when they reached the top, they found the battlements completely unguarded. The Sidians had thought themselves too safe to need guard at night time, and so Sardis fell. A city with a history like that new. A city with a history like that knew what the risen Christ was talking about when he said, "Watch." Mm. Yeah, so the the important thing is to watch. So it's actually in this little message there that Jesus is talking that he's saying watch. He says it twice. So this city failed to watch in that crisis and they were destroyed. And it's actually the same thing happened again uh, if I had got my wife to Lynette to read um after Alexander the Great, he conquered it um, after the Persians. And um, and then after the time of Alexander the Great, it was um, rebuilt. And then, um, well, no, I should say Alexander the Great built the city up. But after, after him, um, a bit later on, um, the same thing happened and it fell again. Now, I just want to read from um, this little, um, these little books um, that I've been saying that you can get from uh, just putting into Google Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. And this is what it says about um, the Church of Sardis. The tone of the letter is different right from the start. There's no praise, only harsh eleva- uh, evaluation. This church gets much praise from people. It is respectable, but God sees it differently. This church is living on a reputation of being alive, but it is dead. But really it is dead. Revelation 3.1, we are told to wake up before it's too late. The things here are a lot worse than they are in Thyatira, and some have not spoiled their garments. Right, so praise, um, praise is a good thing in the right setting, but uh, false praise, which is flattery, um, is a very, very dangerous thing. We all like to be praised, um, but uh, false praise is very dangerous. Now, in in here. Um, 
in Revelation 3, 1 to 3, it, they have a rep, rep I'm getting tongue-tied here, a reputation, no, how you say it, um, a reputation, that's the word, um, getting a bit tongue-tied here, of being alive, but they are dead. What does that mean? Jesus is talking to a church here to be spiritually dead. What does it mean? Now, it's a big subject, but um, they had lost their ways. Now, I, I, I've read quite a bit of uh, William Barclay, and he put out – William Barclay um, used to train ministers in Scotland. He was a Presbyterian, and uh, he, um, he comes out with some very interesting things. He's well-read, um, and this is what he says about spiritual death. And it's in his book on First John, page 191. He says they, they stop trying. They stop trying. This is people in the church. They stop trying. They accept um, oneself as one is. They don't try to get rid of uh, one's faults. They see all virtues as unattainable. The second point that he brings out, he says, they stop feeling. They look at evil and feel no indignation. They look at sorrow and they feel no answering cord of grief and pity. Three, they stop thinking. The day when when the desire to learn leaves us, the day when new truth, new methods, new thoughts become simply a disturbance with which we cannot be bothered is the day of our spiritual death. And fourth, um, they, they stop repenting. The day when a person can sin in peace is the day of their spiritual death. He does not care whether he sins or not. Sin loses its horror. To avoid spiritual death, a person must keep himself sensitive to Jesus by keeping himself sensitive to the presence of Jesus. So it's a dangerous state to be in, to be spiritually dead, whether a person has never come to Christ or after they've become a Christian and they've lost their way and become spiritually um, Dead, as the Bible says. I think we should have a break, um, my lovely wife.
Julia Grace, um, great song she was singing, and she lives here in New Zealand in Tauranga. Now back to Dennis. Right, yes, that is a great song. <coughs> yes, it's one of her best. Um, now we're looking at, um, before the break, I was talking about um, um, a quote there from William Barclay on spiritual death. Now how do we keep ourselves... Um, <coughs> How do we keep ourselves in physical health? What's the kind of things that the body needs for a good condition? They need a good diet. The body needs a good diet. It needs rest. It needs exercise. If the body is going to run well, these things we need, um, we need, and we need to stay away from the wrong fuel, like alcohol, drugs, poison, anything like that. The problem is if we um, put the wrong things in, we might end up losing our lives. So I, 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 I've been reading a, um, a little devotional book by um, H.M.S. Richards, um, and he, he quotes uh, 
um, he quotes here from an, a, a Dr. Payson, Payson, and he says the symptoms for spiritual decline are like those that go with the decline in bodily health. First, the loss of appetite for spiritual food, prayer, um, the reading of the scriptures, concern for others. Now, when we see those symptoms, we should be alarmed. Our spiritual health is in danger. We should go at once to the great physician for a cure. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. So if we want to be in good health, we need a good diet spiritually, reading the word of God, prayer, concern for others. That's um, the things that can keep us in good health. Um, Right, so... Um, I've got some other thoughts here too. Spiritual food, reading the Bible, prayer, share. Um, the soul runs on practical practice of worship, law-keeping, truthfulness, honesty, um, discipline, self-control, service to God and our fellow men. If we abandon these practices, not only do we incur guilt before God, but we progress, progressively destroy our own souls. So it's important to do the right things, isn't it? Like for our physical health, you know, we have a good diet and exercise, trust in God, positive outlook. We're going to live a lot longer. But um, if we do the wrong things. Now, the Bible talks about waking up. Now, there's an interesting illustration um, in the Song of Solomon 5 and verse 2. This woman, um, <clears throat> she's in bed and she's half dozy and her lover comes knocking on the door. Um, John quotes it in Revelation 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So interesting in the Bible, you have um, a lot of things, a lot of quotes about watching and people going to sleep. Like the, the ten virgins, there was five that were wise and five that were foolish. They all went to sleep. And then um, when the cry came, the bridegroom said, awake. Now, what, what else can we do to be awake spiritually? <clears throat> now, in Revelation 2 and verse 5, um, this is what it says. Remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen, repent and do the first work, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. There's three things there. Remember. Remember, um, remember where you've fallen. Repent. It's sorrow and a turning from it and do the first work. So <clears throat> that's what the Bible says there, um, those three things. Now, it's interesting about watch. Now, and William Barclay, um, in his book there on Revelation, he has um, <clears throat> quite a few things there talking about watch, watch. Whereas the Bible says, um, well, Paul says in Romans, he says to wake, to wake from your sleep, be watchful, stand firm in your faith. And um, then he gives another example: the Christian must be on watch against the wiles of the devil. 
because the devil's going around like a roaring lion. The the history of Sardis has a visit, visible example of what happened because the soldiers, weren't, uh, they were slack and weren't uh, watching. The Christian is under con- continual attack by the powers which seek to seduce us from loyalty to Christ. Often these attacks are, are subtle. We must therefore be ever on our watch. Now, one of the best books I've ever read on um, the attacks of Satan and the remedies is a book that was written. It's one of the the top 30 uh, Puritan books. The Puritans were probably the best Christians on the face of the earth um, in the 16th century, 15th century, 16th century. And it is such a wonderful book. And I bought it. It's fairly, it's fairly cheap to buy. You can buy it from uh, Manor or you can get it from Curon Books or any good book outlets. And I think I only paid about 16 or $17. If you just read a couple of pages a day, it's just amazing what's in there. Now, William Barclay, <clears throat> he says, The Christian must be on the watch against temptations. Watch and pray, said Jesus. Um, another point, repeatedly the New Testament urges the Christian to be on the watch for the coming of the Lord. And Augustine said that every day may be a watch. A man should live every day as if it were his last. Because none of us know when it's going to be our last day. We went to a funeral a couple of weeks ago and... Uh, this guy, he was 66, and he just woke up, and he had a heart attack, and he was dead, right? So you never know. Right. <clears throat> right, so um, now, um, the promises. I'd like to um, just finish um, this uh, little talk on Sardis um, by looking at the promises. Now, the promises clothed with white garments. What does that mean? Um, in Revelation um, 16, if I remember rightly, 16 and verse um, 15, 16 and verse 15, it says, Behold, I'm coming. As a thief, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And like it says in Revelation 3, um, <clears throat> God's counsel to the church of Laodicea, I counsel you to buy of me white garments. The white garments are the righteousness of Christ. So as we come to Christ and accept him as our saviour, he died on the cross Right, for all our sins, and then um, his righteousness covers us. So <clears throat> that's the only way that we can um, be overcomers, is have Jesus. Um, it says there about why uh, he will not wipe our name out of the book of life. Now, that is really important. There's quite a few verses in the Bible where it talks about retaining and wiping our names out of the book of life. So we've got to be overcomers, and we've got to stick to Jesus and uh, trust him and let him do his work in us. And then the last point was confess their names before his father. Jesus will confess their names before the father.
And the promises, the promises are wonderful. Right? He's going to give us a white garment. He won't blot out our name and he'll confess us before the Father. To those who overcome. Isn't that good? It's wonderful, isn't it? The Bible is the most wonderful book ever written because it's the God book. It's the God book. And <clears throat> it tells us how we can win the prize. And a few in Sardis will win the prize. So we've run out of time about talking about this wonderful subject, the Bible. So we will, um, until next time, God bless you. Thank you, Dennis. So, yes, from all of us here um, at Amazing Grace, we uh, do pray that you will grow in grace. And, um, yes, that um, just a reminder about the uh, things that we have um, available free. Uh, the signs are at the local takeaways and also the book Steps to Christ. Just a short prayer to finish. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can lean on your everlasting arms and thank you that you give us strength. Thank you for your amazing grace, for your love at the cross. Be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So yes, God bless until next time.